0: Good morning. Welcome to our very special program every Thursday morning at this time. The Teleco Conservative Club presents. This is Daryl along with Rick Dram, and we'll be joining Rick in just a minute. Today's program brought to you by VJH Concierge Financial Planning, also by Little Italy, Premier Consignment, and Jim Davis Remax Excels. And we'll be talking with our special guest and talking with Rick coming up here in just a moment. We do remind you we have a new special sponsor today. If you are concerned about the financial journey you are on, stop in for a chat. Knowledge is power. VJH Concierge Financial Planning. Phone number 865 940 0278. VJH Concierge Financial Planning, 865 940 0278. Securities and advisor services offered through Client One Securities. LLC member, FNRA, SIPC, and an investment advisor. VJH Consurge Financial Planning and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. There is a great way to buy quality furniture and accessories at much lower prices in Loudoun County. Premier Consignment, located 320 Lakeside Plaza in Loudoun, just off the Teleco Parkway. Family owned and operated for 10 years. Stop in Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m., or visit www.premierconsignment.com for current inventory and ability to purchase online and pick up in the store. Also, items are sold on eBay. They conduct estate or moving sales at their residence. They can sell everything in the house. Pickup and delivery services available for most items. Stop by or view online. Premier Consignment, 320 Lakeside Plaza in Loudon, just off the Teleco Parkway. Phone 865-458-9721. 458-9721. Jim Davis, a full-time professional real estate broker, is pleased to provide buyers and sellers with a tremendous knowledge of Teleco Village and the surrounding Teleco Lake communities. He believes the most important attribute of a professional realtor is listening. He listens to his clients well. He says whether you are selling or buying a home, you deserve the best service, the most consistent follow-up communication, and a professional real estate broker to represent you. That is what you receive when you select Jim Davis in Teleco Village to represent you in your real estate purchase or sale. It doesn't cost any more to hire the best. Maintain an attitude of gratitude. Jim Davis, real estate broker, Remax Excels, phone 865-414-360. 414-3601. It's Little Italy for breakfast or dinner. Little Italy restaurant located at 316 Lakeside Plaza just off the Teleco Parkway in Loudoun. Open Tuesday through Sunday for breakfast at 8 and for dinner Tuesday through Saturday at 4. Order and pay online or call 865-657-6224. That's 657-6224. For breakfast, how about an egg platter or a sausage gravy biscuit platter or even breakfast tacos? And for dinner, pasta specialties, hot and cold subs, a large selection of entrees, salads, pizza, gourmet or New York style, calzone and trombolis. Add your favorite desserts for breakfast or dinner, Little Italy, Lakeside Parkway in Loudoun. And our program this morning, every Thursday, the Teleco Conservative Club presents. This is Daryl along with Rick Dram. And, Rick, good to see you on this Thursday morning. What a
1: beautiful day we have. And once again, Daryl, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning.
0: And uh, we've got a special guest coming up.
1: We're, we sure do. We have uh, Brandon Lewis who is the publisher and editor and owner of Tennessee Conservative News. And uh, Brandon is on the line with us this morning. Good morning, sir.
2: Hey, bud. How are you? Everything sounds great. You are a tad faint on the line, Rick. I can hear you, but just barely. Uh, so I'll, I'll listen closely, and, and I'll, I'll get in on the conversation. Glad to be here.
0: We'll, we'll
1: see if we can uh, uh, beef up that volume here a little bit. I'm going to change microphones real quickly. Hold on, Brandon. How's that? Is that better?
2: Oh, yeah, loud and clear.
1: Okay, we're on the wrong microphone, I guess, this morning. I'm still a novice when it comes to the radio business. I'm learning (laughs) my way through it. But uh, anyway, my friend, I just wanted to touch base with you and uh, thank you for doing what you do. Uh, Brandon publishes the Tennessee Conservative News. Uh, Actually, it comes to my inbox on a daily basis. And uh, what wonderful content you have on the. Uh, uh, on the publication. So I'd like to just cover a little bit of your background and uh, how you got to a point where you began Tennessee conservative news.
2: Well, you're very kind, Rick. And for uh, 20 some odd years, I have been in the volunteer state and I have heard conservatives and Republicans complain, uh, and rightly so, about the left leaning and liberal nature of Tennessee state media. Uh, radio stations, uh, broadsheets are all owned by only a handful of, of corporate uh, media outlets. I think last time it was somewhere around 90 uh, percent of all media outlets were owned by five large corporations. Many of those own uh, the majority of what we get our news through here in Tennessee. And uh, we know that uh, back in 2016 when they did the study that only 7 uh, percent of journalists reported being conservative or Republican uh, leaving the other 93% to be something else, and, and that number has gotten smaller since, and we've seen that. And so uh, that's really the reason I got into it. But backing up a little further, uh, Rick, you know, I grew up dirt poor. Dad couldn't read or write, had never been to, to school, uh, had old sawmill flat floors, uh, wood-burning stove in the basement, one sink in the kitchen that fell out old well water. But I got interested in conservatism, Because uh, in seventh grade, I went to work uh, for a veterinarian, Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Clark Garrett, and when we would take lunch breaks, uh, which were about two hours long because we got started early and we ran the clinic late, uh, he would always have Rush Limbaugh on. And that's when I really got interested in American history, uh, our founding fathers, the exceptionalism of America. uh, That medium really opened my eyes to what was going on in our nation and kind of sparked my interest.
1: Rush Limbaugh certainly motivated a lot of individuals and did so much. We miss him every day. That's for sure. Uh,
2: I do. Uh, when I get ready to go to lunch, um, for years, you know, even I, I take short lunches, uh, but for seven or eight minutes, I always knew I could turn on the radio and hear Rush. And I, I still wish I could. It was a very sad day when he passed for me.
1: It sure is. It's been it was a sad day for many of us. So. Uh, Brandon, I just wanted to discuss with you a little bit. You had a uh, not only did you have an interesting upbringing, and and uh, you've had an interesting career path. Uh, tell us a little bit about your career path, your education, etc.
2: Okay, so as I mentioned, you know we grew up super poor, and right. in a place called Dog Holler, I, I went to a Arab <laughs> High School. That's spelled, spelled Arab, but pronounced Arab. And all my friends started going to college, so I thought, well, I need to as well. And I took the ACT, I believe it was eight times, and finally got a wow. score that was good enough uh, to get a scholarship to Jacksonville State University. And I, I got my undergraduate uh, in uh, marketing and then picked up my MBA at UTC here in Chattanooga. I moved here in 2002 because I went to a Merle Haggard concert, and I just love the city. And, uh, I've been here ever since. Then I, I started working on Bob Corker's Senate campaign, uh, where we, uh, had to, uh, win against Harold Ford, who was a Democrat. We were the only open seat that did not turn blue in that election cycle. Uh, I went on to work, uh, on Congressman Desiree's campaign when he unseated Lincoln Davis. I helped him put his team together for that later ran his reelection campaign. i worked in lots of state and local campaigns, uh, also. Uh, Wrote a book called How to Raise Money for Political Office. But during the middle of all that, I started a large uh, painting uh, business, house painting, you know, typical. Wow. Uh, Built it up very large to about 20 some odd employees, sold it. And for the last seven years, uh, really up until I started the Tennessee Conservative, uh, that was my exclusive and only focus, was running an academy for painting contractors, teaching them how to run the business end of the business. So for about six years. Uh, I took a vacation from politics and completely tuned out because my belief is if I can't be contributing, if I can't be making a difference, uh, I'd rather not even know about it.
1: So you had had drifted away from politics completely and taken this seven-year hiatus. What got you back into it?
2: When the Republicans in the state of Tennessee decided that it would be a good idea to pick winners and losers in business Mm -hmm. and shut down small businesses while the big boxes uh, continued to operate, when we began to uh, forget our oath of office to defend people's constitutional rights and liberties as uh, outlined in the Tennessee Constitution, it got under my skin. And the final straw was really when they shut my gym down, uh, because in the middle of, of a pandemic you, you need to maintain your physical fitness and your health.
1: Absolutely it's a big part of my life. Right.
2: And then they shut my church down on Easter Sunday. So you could go uh, pick up stuff, go through the drive through, do anything you wanted to that
1: go to the liquor can, store.
2: Go to the liquor store. But you could not go to church. And, right. you know, even our own governor said that Christians who wanted to worship in person were selfish. Uh, and uh, many other people just kind of hid and didn't do anything about it. And there was a protest that was being organized on the Market Street Bridge here in Tennessee, mm-hmm. or here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Right. And some ladies called me up. And, you know, you learn how to do things in politics that, that you don't forget. And they, it was just not very well organized. Right. And so I heard this information on a Thursday, and basically from Thursday till Sunday, I worked my tail off. And we got about 200 and some odd people on the Market Street Bridge, and 300 uh, driving, honking horns, waving flags, essentially just saying, we want our jobs and our businesses and our houses of worship open. And the price and, and, the, and the press reviled us, Rick. Uh, Amazing. Terrible people for not having masks on, even though the reporters didn't have theirs on. They didn't report that. That uh, we were hasty. And we so, were- let's
1: remind the audience: the WalMarts are open, the big box stores yep. are all open, and money's flowing into the big corporations. And of course, uh, as I said before, everyone can go to the liquor store; that's okay. But you can't go to the churches, you can't go to the small restaurants, and you can't exhibit your support for small business.
2: Exactly. And again, this was Republicans allowed this to happen. This was right. not a Democrat. I mean, I'm sure Democrats would have made it worse. I know they would have. You can look at other states. But the Republicans abandoned their conservative mooring uh, and went off. And we know from recent reports of John Hopkins University that we might have saved 0.2 percent of lives. And that's within the margin of error. So all of this social um, you know, virtue signaling uh, theater that put 24 percent of Tennessee's small businesses out of business. Uh, was done at the hands of Republicans. And nonetheless, uh, the next week, uh, Black Lives Matter started protesting as well, except their protests went on for weeks. At all right. hours of the night, they broke windows. They spray-painted mm-hmm. businesses. Uh, lots of small businesses were damaged here in Chattanooga, right. toppled things at the courthouse, uh, You know, shouted obscenities uh, at the police, and they got glowing coverage in a mural. Uh, from Tennessee's liberal media, and that's when I knew that the only way we would ever get a fair shake is if somebody did something because conservatives can't rely upon traditional media to tell the truth.
1: So I love your story uh, about having your Nehemiah moment, going to church and suddenly having this awakening. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: So I was on the fence uh, after this protest. Uh, I'm not a protester. That's the first and only protest I've ever been to, mm-hmm. and um, not that I, I think it's a perfect. I mean, we, there's a time and place for it. I may they show up at one again when they're organized one even. Sure. But um, it's typically not my method of getting involved. Most conservatives don't like them either, and uh, and so I was really confused about what to do. I didn't know what to do, and um, and I went to church. Uh, the only church that really opened up in our area was a place called Calvary Chapel. We've got a very conservative uh, pastor there, a very successful, large church. I, I, my church shut down out of fear, would not meet, would not gather together. Wow. Uh, and um, I, I wanted to be back in the house before the students I could be, and we had a recommendation to go to Calvary. And I walked in, and uh, Pastor Frank Grims here was speaking on Nehemiah and how people, Mm -hmm. uh, the Jewish people, had walked by the dilapidated wall of Jerusalem for 80 years. And it took someone from outside of the city to come in and organize people and uh, against whisper campaigns and against, um, you know, even decay from within and from without uh, to keep their, their hands at the work. And they did. They rebuilt those walls quickly. And the pastor looked out and said, there may be a Nehemiah in here today. And as I left the church, I told my wife, I said, I think we need to start a conservative news publication now. We will be called all kinds of names, uh, and we will have a target on us. And so if you don't want to do this, I understand. And she said, honey, I think it's important you do whatever you think we need to do. And so we did. And we launched mm-hmm. it in October. And uh, we still got a lot of work uh, of 2020, uh, and we've still got a lot of work to do. And, uh, and we're, we're, this is a lot of what we do is, is uh, held together by, you know, bailing wire and duct tape. Uh, we're not a huge corporate conglomerate. We do not get right. uh, corporate media money uh, or corporation, left leaning corporation money. So uh, we rely on support, and we, we've got a good little steady. Uh, stream of, of people that really care about conservative media and the state. And I've got to meet a lot of awesome people and be a part of some pretty amazing efforts.
1: Well, we're really glad you're here. And, and we're glad that your wife didn't hit you over the head with her purse Uh, and and say, what are you thinking of? (laughs) Because uh, the the conservatives here in Tennessee really appreciate all the work that you do. WLIL isn't a big conglomerate either, so we're going to have to take a station break and earn a little money, Brandon, but we'll be back with you in just a minute. Thanks There's so much for being with buy.
0: us. Quality furniture and accessories at much lower prices in Loudon County. Premier Consignment located 320 Lakeside Plaza in Loudon, just off the Teleco Parkway. Family-owned and operated for 10 years. Stop in Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. or visit www.premierconsignment.com for current inventory and ability to purchase online and pick up in the store. Also, items are sold on eBay. They conduct estate or moving sales at their residence. They can sell everything in the house. Pickup and delivery services available for most items. Stop by or view online. Premier consignment, 320 Lakeside Plaza in Loudoun, just off the Teleco Parkway. Phone 865-458-9721. 458-9721. Jim Davis, a full-time professional real estate broker, is pleased to provide buyers and sellers with a tremendous knowledge of Teleco Village and the surrounding Teleco Lake communities. He believes the most important attribute of a professional realtor is listening. He listens to his clients well. He says whether you are selling or buying a home, you deserve the best service, the most consistent follow-up communication, and a professional real estate broker to represent you. That is what you receive when you select Jim Davis in Teleco Village to represent you in your real estate purchase or sale. It doesn't cost any more to hire the best. Maintain an attitude of gratitude. Jim Davis, real estate broker, Remax Excels, phone 865-414-360. 414-3601. 414-3601. True financial planning is more than just investing. It should be about you and your family, your debts, your insurance, your mortgages, your kids' education, and your legacy. Find out how to make financial world work for you. Stop in for a chat. Knowledge is power. VJH Concierge Financial Planning. That's VJH Concierge Financial Planning. Phone number 865 865- 940-0278. Securities and advisory services offered through Client1 Securities LLC member, FINRA, SIPC, and an investment advisor. BJH Concierge Financial Planning and Client1 Securities LLC are not affiliated. And now here's
1: Rick once again. Rick? Well, we're joined by Brandon Lewis, who's one of the top Tennessee Conservatives and uh he is the publisher uh of Tennessee Conservative News which is distributed throughout the state of Tennessee. Hey Brandon, tell us about uh how many uh subscribers do you have? Uh, how do people get your platform? How can they subscribe uh, to your publication,
2: etc.? So, we have about 18,000 subscribers. Um because People that keep up with state and local news are rare. Uh, most folks keep all of their attention on what's going on in Washington, D.C., where you really can't make much of a difference. Uh, if anyone in Tennessee can pick up the phone, contact their state representative, contact their state rep, uh, see them out in their communities, get legislation passed, uh, vote for them, get involved in a campaign, so for every moment you spend on state and local things, you have at least a 10x or a 20x impact compared to what you do when you focus on the federal stuff. Uh, so that's just kind of our email and text subscriber base. But we have somewhere around 26,000 followers on Facebook, probably another 10 to 12,000 uh, followers on various other social media platforms. Sometimes we reach as many as a million Tennesseans uh, a, 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 week, a month through various Social media platforms, of course, you know, some of those are memes. Some of those are different stories. Some things are very uh, attractive to people and some things aren't. So um, we also have a podcast. If you go wherever you listen to podcasts, if you enjoy that, if you just type in Tennessee Conservative, uh, I do a weekly rundown of the seven top stories in Tennessee. And then we have a a parade of guests uh, primarily focused on uh, guests that are doing things in, in Tennessee uh, right. so that's really where my heart is.
1: Right, right. Um, and our friend Alex Abernathy is frequently on that podcast. You do a, a, a weekly podcast with him, or uh, well, I tell call a about into that?
2: his show mm-hmm. similarly to what I'm doing here, and uh-huh. I do that once a week on Tuesdays, and uh, we just talk about, and at least have been recently talking about uh, legislation when the when the legislature is in session. Uh, we take all of our bandwidth and pretty much focus it there. That's your
1: primary that, focus, isn't it? The, yeah, that's the people Tennessee need to state. Know legislation. What
2: bills are coming up? When when to engage with committees? Uh, who has killed what pieces of legislation? Uh, it's important to inform people on how they vote. Uh, so, but yeah, I do that with Alex. He's, he's great. I'm so glad to have him uh, doing that work on I think five different channels. Uh, and he, he does a good job of, of covering something that I think is uh, far more important than it is uh, commonly done.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Alex Abernathy has been a guest at the conservative club of Teleco. Uh, and we're looking forward to having him back in the near future. But speaking about. Yes, well, ahead. let
2: me jump in here. If you're listening, yes, OK, and if you're in the, uh, the Teleco Village area, and in fact, I was in uh, the Teleco Plains area uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, for six days camping at the North River Campground. I love it. I can't get cell phone service for 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, it's great. Nobody calls me. There's no break. If the, if the news breaks, they have to fix it. That's right. To to it. right. But uh, if you're in that area, uh, you need to look up uh, the, the conservative club of Teleco. Uh They meet. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. What is it, Rick?
1: We meet at uh, Little Italy, a wonderful restaurant right in Teleco Village, 316. Lake yeah, Little
2: Italy, Italy and uh, they've got a great group. It will not be long before you all have to, I don't know, you all are going to have to rent out a bigger space. I mean, you all were just crammed in there like sardines the last time I was there, a huge group, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing. It just goes to show you that one person can make a difference. That club would not be there if it were not for you. It takes, Somebody has to lead. Somebody has to be the permission giver. And uh, when you raise your hand and share your your views, even when it's difficult and perhaps uh, culturally, uh, the media and the left-leaning people say it's it's unpopular. But then you raise your hand and express your views you find out that the majority of people still have traditional American values. And uh, you have collected a very large group of people that that agree with that. And I've I've seen you do great things. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, uh, to check out that organization and show up and plug in.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your kind words, and that's an honor coming from you because uh, you're also a a great inspiration to us all. So speaking about legislation, let's cover that because uh, a lot of my listeners and a lot of my members have been very interested in this legislative session. Um, At our meeting yesterday, our uh, legislative bill reading team had read over 450 different pieces of legislation, most of which didn't pass. Uh, The question I frequently get asked is about illegal immigration in the state of Tennessee. What's happening with legislation? Um, What kind of trends do you see? Because this is a huge concern to people uh, in our state and particularly in our area because crime is rising, fentanyl abuse is uh, on the rise, uh, and we have a serious uh you know human trafficking issue that's taking place in our nation today and in our state so tell us a little bit about illegal immigration um uh, and what happened in the legislative session this uh this past legislate- legislature so
2: i think i'll back up just a little bit and set the stage you know we have the worst illegal immigration crisis in the state of tennessee in our history
1: Absolutely. And the
2: Republicans run on a platform that is supposed to be anti-legal immigration. Uh, we're about to get into the serious uh, part of election season because the, when the legislature lets out, the incumbents can go run, and all of them will be talking about illegal immigration on the campaign trail. And there are a few of them that mean it, but the vast majority do not. Um and you know we are the ones that broke the story about the illegal immigration center that Bill Lee authorized uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, where we uncovered that this huge facility uh, the size of a couple of city blocks that used to be a big uh, Tennessee temple dormitory was holding uh, largely uh, pre-adult uh, illegal immigrant males,
1: unaccompanied minors. Uh, Supposedly. Unaccompanied
2: minors and they're illegal aliens that are about to turn, you know, 16, 15 uh, years old, primarily. I think the average age was somewhere around 14. Uh, very few, and in this one, I think specifically held only males, but I can't recall it's been a little while since we worked on that. And, you know, the, mass, the Tennessee liberal media would not cover it.
1: of illegal immigration legislation uh, failed yesterday and the only uh, piece of legislation that I'm aware of that's still live and active in the legislature is the one that disallows illegal immigrants from uh, voting in the state of Tennessee which I don't even know why you'd need a piece of legislation to prohibit uh, illegal immigrants or illegal citizens as a whole, uh, you know, from voting. But what about the other legislation uh, that took so place? Uh, we
2: had a very simple law that – I'll talk about some of the ones that got killed. Number one, um, there was a bill that would have stopped Tennessee taxpayers from having to fund the education of illegal aliens, which we spend an estimated $383 million of taxpayer money on every year and it's not just the, the 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 expense the expense is bad enough but what happens is you have especially in urban areas and in many rural areas you can have a third or a quarter of the class uh, recently arrived they can't speak english uh, they have no prior education and then they're stuck in the same classroom that are already overcrowded with uh teachers who are or it's impossible for them to instruct the English speaking native students because they're, they're so distracted, and because of certain civil liberty laws, etc., they, they can't segregate those students, which honestly, it would not be segregation because of any racial issue. It's just like if you speak English as a second language, you need to be in a different classroom environment for your own benefit, uh, oh. not for the benefit of the other kids, but for your own benefit. Of course. And so um, that was killed by uh, Republican uh, Kurt. Haston, uh, Republican Mark White and Republican Chris Hurt. We had an e-verify bill uh, that we had that got watered down to where it was meaningless. There's there's no penalties for that. Uh, there was a bill that was uh, that would have enforced uh, a law that would make it illegal to transport illegal aliens. So you couldn't, as a charter company, you couldn't work with the federal government to uh, bus. Illegal immigrants. You couldn't be a pilot and and use a charter flight to, to fly illegal immigrants into Tennessee. It would be illegal, and that was killed in the Senate by Senator Mike Bell, which surprised me. Todd Gardenhire and Senator John Stevens, all Republicans, right? And uh, and it, Mike it Bell's made,
1: considered to be a conservative.
2: I would have thought he would have voted yeah, for that. But absolutely apparently not. And uh, finally, uh, you know, there is a bill that is still alive. Uh, on, But it's just like reporting on illegal immigration. Basically, it, it makes it law in Tennessee that the federal agencies have to report. But the federal agencies have thumbed their nose at Tennessee from the very beginning. And to think that putting some kind of reporting requirement on them is going to change anything, I just don't see it
1: happening. I, I don't see it happening either. I mean, if they won't give them a report in texas i can't imagine that they're going to give them a report in tennessee especially no
2: and if i could just say one final sentence before we move on yes to the topic sir. and this is for people just to ask yourself a question if republicans claim and the republican party in tennessee claims that illegal immigration is something they're against yet in the worst illegal immigration crisis our state has ever seen we can't get one meaningful piece of legislation out of our general assembly and not one piece of legislation was pushed, or sponsored, or advocated for by Randy McNally, Cameron Sexton, or Bill Lee. It's We have to have a bunch of lying going on. Right. That's the only possible explanation. Now, we do have some people like Dennis Powers, Bruce Griffey, uh, Todd Warner, and some others. Janice uh, Bowling. Like Janice Bowling, I mean, the Terry Lynn Weaver. We do not have – there's a small contingency of what I call the Freedom Caucus up in the General Assembly, but largely we have corporate um, rhinos uh, that have most of the power up in the General Assembly. And when it comes to illegal immigration, uh, they may talk about it, but they have zero intentions of doing anything about it because all the corporate PAC money they get uh, is just more important than what their constituents want.
1: Tell us about – uh, bill's and education. I know that that's a real passion for your publication and for you personally, uh, public school issues. Uh, tell us if there was any good legislation that passed uh, in the legislature this time around.
2: I'm going to give you all a little bit of background about what's going on in Tennessee, because this is the kind of thing that you do not hear liberal news publications report on. But we have to bring you the news, whether it's right. good, bad or otherwise. That's right. So right now in Tennessee, only 25 percent of kids can read at grade level. That's one in four mastery, which is being able to read at grade level, not approaching grade level, is in the single digit throughout oh. the state. Now, there are some higher performing schools. Uh, in very affluent areas. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most rural schools would not be in that, that, that position. We spend almost $11,500 per student. Uh, only 53% of that makes it into the classroom where your kid receives an education. The rest of it is wasted in administration and bureaucracy. And they continually say we need more money, but what we really need is for the money to be focused on the kid and not the government job factory. Uh, Governor Lee said that real school choice would be a top priority uh, on a personal uh, level. Uh, you know, I live in an urban area. I have 15 years. My children cannot be sent to the schools in our area. There is a, a pregnancy, teen pregnancy, uh, drugs, violence, bullying, uh, and the academic performance is, is terrible. I think the uh, high school where my daughters, but they're not old enough yet, if, if they were to be sent to that high school, not a single kid uh Pass the ACT uh, to the level that would allow them to be able to get into any college in Tennessee.
1: Wow. And that's that's not, an amazing that's statistic.
2: Bad. Yeah. And uh, another little fact uh, in Tennessee prison, men read at a third grade level, and women, if I if I recall this correctly, read at about a fifth grade level. They do test the reading when they go into Tennessee prison. Mm. And there's this huge connection. Well, there was a school choice bill that was going to just allow the bottom 10 percent of parents but so if you're in a, a school where you're in the it's in the bottom 10 percent right you could have some choice to send your kids somewhere else for example my my daughter old daughter goes to a school costs about sixty five hundred dollars a year which is
1: It's discouraging and uh, education is so important, as you indicated, and uh, uh, school choice would really do a lot towards uh, bettering uh, and and creating more competition. I think that that's the essence. Uh, Providing funds for students to have school choice would just uh, force many of the schools in the area to uh, beef up their curriculums and uh, attempt to... uh, expand the uh, uh, the abilities of students uh, going to those lower schools so that's a very discouraging report uh there's another bill that you've been tracking and that's censorship uh this is a, an issue which is near and dear to all conservatives uh within the state right, really within the nation right now it's very topical uh because we just heard Elon Musk uh, take a significant ownership position in Twitter Twitter has banned the president of the United States. Tell us about um, censorship here in the state of Tennessee and legislation that might uh, be underway to uh, stop that.
2: So I have high hopes for this. Um, Not that a lot of rhinos have not opposed it, they have, but I I, I think it's got a good chance of of passing. Um, So this was our, our number one focus at Tennessee Conservative with my own personal efforts, I began contacting legislators and and I didn't talk to them about freedom of speech. Uh, I talked to them about their own personal campaigns and their inability to use social media as a campaign tool and how it would hinder them personally. And I did a huge uh, survey. I think we got somewhere around 3000 respondents uh, regarding social media censorship. And, you know, for a sense of perspective, Typically, when they conduct statewide political polls, they only sample about three to 400 people. So we had a very large sample size, sent that to every representative. And uh, my state senator, Bo Watson, and Dennis Powers, who's turned out to be just a remarkable uh, conservative uh, representative and had put forth some great legislation, some of which did not make it this year, uh, picked up a common carrier bill, which essentially means that social media companies would be regulated by the utility board uh, in Tennessee and that they would be a common carrier just like the phone company just like the hotel just like a uh, cab service or a bus service and that I mean anybody can access it you can't have some kind of uh, political litmus test uh, and if if, if you uh, violated that that there would be financial penalties mm-hmm. and that made it through uh, the House even though uh, you know Rhino's like representative Patsy Hazelwood voted against it. Um, you know, and a few others, uh, but it made it through the House, it made it through the Senate, uh, and it had a, what's called a fiscal note attached to it. And so whenever you want to uh, to pass a piece of legislation and if there is <laughs> money uh, that's going to have to be spent on it, it has to go what's called behind the budget, which is a precarious situation. But things that are important and behind the budget tend to pass. People uh, Things that are not important or things that, that maybe people don't like, it's another way to kill legislation. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've had conversations with Bo Watson, who's over that committee in the Senate. Unfortunately, Patsy Hazelwood is over that uh, committee in the House, but I still believe there are more conservatives. Uh, and the big thing about it is the, the huge corporate lobbyists that Facebook sent down and, and other big tech giants, uh, they got to the game a little late. Uh, I firmly believe that if the lobbyists had gotten there early and if more money had been doled out, uh, Republicans might have even been, been able to be convinced that, that big tech was on their side. Uh, a little bit of money goes a long way in Nashville. And uh, as a side note about lobbying, uh, they spent about $500,000 per member Wow. in lobbying wow. in Nashville, a half oh. a million dollars per member. And oh. if you don't – that's one of the biggest issues that I'm going to be focused on next year is lobbyists and taxpayer-funded lobbying uh, to see if we can get some movement on that. But nonetheless – Uh, We have a we have high hopes that that legislation will pass. Uh, We hope that it will be a model uh, to the rest of the nation that can be followed. And finally, uh, it is different than the other legislation that has uh, failed at the Supreme Court. And in fact, it's based upon uh, Clarence Thomas's dissenting opinion uh, when that last social media censorship case was heard. I think it was out of uh, Florida. Uh, the law and uh, he said that that this seems to him to be a common carrier issue and that that has been uh, held up for uh, in the High court so uh, hope, hope that not only will it uh, be passed in the law but that it is uh, built in such a way that it will
1: so by incorporating together. the by incorporating common carriers then uh, it's consistent with the uh, most recent decision then that Clarence Thomas uh, um, Expressed. Right.
2: Yeah. And basically just said that, you know, there's there's lots of precedent for uh, things being regulated as common carriers, uh, not so much the the direction specifically that Florida had taken. So this is a a different way of trying to accomplish the the same objective. And we we hope that it will hold up against legal scrutiny. But you never know. I mean, that's the thing about legislation. You've got to pass it and then see what happens.
1: Brandon, tell us uh how again people can subscribe to your uh publication, how they can help you um, you know, I know you're not a big media conglomerate. you mentioned that earlier, and uh I know that basically uh the publication is supported by the subscribers, right?
2: yeah. So we just take donations, and we have some uh, lots of little donations, and we have a few people that send in that pretty large donations, large for them. Uh, we don't have any Rockefellers or uh, Gates uh, writing us million-dollar, $100,000, even uh, $10,000 checks. Right. Uh, but we have a lot of people that give small donations. Um, but the, the main thing is TennesseeConservativeNews.com. If you go there, there's a subscribe button. Um, if you've got a, a phone number, you can write down this number, 423-205-5600. Uh, it's radio, so I'm going to say it two more times. 205 423 um, 423-205-5600. If you text the word NEWS, N-E-W-S, to that uh, number, uh, you'll be sent a prompt that will ask for your name and your email address, and that will opt you in uh, if you don't want to navigate to a uh, to a, a browser, but yeah, that's the two ways you can get subscribed, and uh, and also
1: and there's really no cost to no, subscribing. Cost. So it's this can absolutely. come to your inbox on a daily basis, and uh, yeah. uh, you know you're not asking for. I mean, you're asking for donations, but you're not asking or requiring a fee.
2: No, and this is just for the listening audience. This is something I pay for out of my pocket because I believe in it. Uh, I, my small business is how I make my living. Um, And, you know, we're still not quite in the black, uh, but we're getting there every month. We've got a fundraiser planned. I think it's going to be in late July or August. I think we'll probably hopefully will get us right to where we need to be. Uh, But like I said, I just need the thing not to cost me money. And uh, we're getting there. Uh, But it is, you know, people often ask why there isn't more conservative media in our state. And uh, this really the answer is money. It's uh, a lot of businesses are just too afraid. To let their views be known, although liberal businesses aren't. You can walk into a corporate uh, store and they've got um, LBG, UTRF, whatever the new acronym is, all over the store, (laughs) Black Lives Matter. Like they don't care to put it in your face and dare you to say anything about it. The conservatives are so remarkably um, fearful, which is a shame. And we're going to lose our culture if people don't start stepping out of their comfort zone and taking action, both financially. Uh, And with voicing their opinion in small businesses, uh, we're going to lose our ability to do it if we don't exercise it.
1: Well, you've been a tremendous example of that, uh, Brandon. And as I say, I just commend you. I want to thank you so much for being on the radio today. I'm just going to mention one more time that if people want to subscribe, it's very simple. Go to TennesseeConservativeNews.com and put your email in, press the subscribe button, and you'll begin obtaining, I think, one of the best news publications across the state, and certainly keeps you well informed of what's happening with uh, from a conservative's perspective, which I think is very important. And God bless you and the work that you do, and uh, I just ask that you'll continue to uh, to bless us and and visit us uh, on, on a regular basis at the Conservative Club and here in uh, telco village and all of Loudoun County. And uh, I, I, I just so respect all the work that you've done, Brandon.
2: Well, you're very kind and i your, your club has been a big help to me and we've got a, a significant handful of supporters that have helped us out there at telco village. And it um, just, home when well, i go we're going to continue to
1: do so believe me so thanks well, again and I, for, so,
2: and I enjoy going i just enjoy going and being with y'all and it's nice. And so if you're again if you're listening and you get a chance to go see rick and his crew down there uh 8 30
1: a.m wednesday mornings little italy eight,
2: yeah 8 30 a.m wednesday mornings little italy uh most people do not have anything like that in their backyard and so if you're inside that listening audience and you don't avail yourself of that it would be like if you were a uh if you love uh, music and you had Carnegie Hall in your backyard and you never went to it.
1: <laughs> well, thank
2: uh, you. so if you're a conservative and and, and in particular somebody who wants to take action for conservatism in Tennessee and you've got the, the conservative club of Teleco in your backyard, you sit on your duff, and you don't go to it. It's your own damn fault.
0: All right, pal. Well, thanks again.
2: Talk All to right. you soon. Care,
0: All right. Bye-bye. So, Rick, you're now a maestro. Is that what we're saying? Um. I, don't, I think that most people would not agree
1: with that. But, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our program today, the Teleco Conservative Club presents. We'll have another special guest coming right up. It's Little Italy for Breakfast or Dinner. Little Italy Restaurant located at 316 Lakeside Plaza just off the Teleco Parkway in Loudoun. Open Tuesday through Sunday for breakfast at 8 and for dinner Tuesday through Saturday at 4. Order and pay online or call 865-657-6224, that's 657-6224. For breakfast, how about an egg platter, or a sausage gravy biscuit platter, or even breakfast tacos. And for dinner, pasta specialties, hot and cold subs, a large selection of entrees, salads, pizza, gourmet or New York style, calzone and Stromboli's add your favorite desserts for breakfast or dinner little italy lakeside parkway in Loudon. there's a great way to buy quality furniture and accessories at much lower prices in loudon county premier consignment located 320 lakeside plaza in loudon just off the teleco parkway family owned and operated for 10 years stop in monday through saturday 10 a.m until 3 p.m or visit www.premierconsignment.com for current inventory and ability to purchase online and pick up in the store. Also, items are sold on eBay. They conduct estate or moving sales at their residence. They can sell everything in the house. Pickup and delivery services available for most items. Stop by or view online. Premier consignment, 320 Lakeside Plaza in Loudoun, just off the Teleco Parkway. Phone 865-458-9721. 458-9721. Financial planning is more than just investing. It should be about attempting to develop peace of mind and the ability to sleep at night instead of worrying about your financial future. Stop in for a chat. Let's see where you want to go on your financial journey. We might have a roadmap. Stop in for a chat. Knowledge is power. VJH Concierge Financial Planning, phone number 940-0278-865-940-0278. VJH Concierge Concierge Financial Planning, Securities and Advisory Services offered through Client One Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and an investment advisor. VJH Concierge Financial Planning and Client One Securities, LLC are not affiliated. Jim Davis, a full-time professional real estate broker, is pleased to provide buyers and sellers with a tremendous knowledge of Teleco Village and the surrounding Teleco Lake communities. He believes the most important attribute of a professional realtor is listening. He listens to his clients well. He says whether you are selling or buying a home, you deserve the best service, the most consistent follow-up communication, and a professional real estate broker to represent you. That is what Jim receive when you select jim davis in telecom village to represent you in your real estate purchase or sale it doesn't cost any more to hire the best maintain an attitude of gratitude jim davis real estate broker remax excels phone 865-414-3601 414-3601 before we get back to rick let me remind you as we will continue next week with our Visits with the candidates running for office in the May 3rd election. Early voting starts April 13th. On Monday morning at 8.30 right here, we'll have Paul Curvis, candidate for sheriff. On Tuesday, Marty Ward. And Wednesday, Jimmy Davis, all three at 8.30. That's Paul Curtis on Monday, Marty Ward on Tuesday, Jimmy Davis on Wednesday. And that is 8.30 as we once again join Rick. And, Rick, the election's about here.
1: It really is, and uh, we have a very important uh, uh, day tomorrow. Uh, Our conservative patriot is returning from uh, the People's Convoy in Washington, D.C., James Dillon, and he's going to be arriving at uh, about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, We call it Freedom Park on 444, uh, just a little north of the uh, Poplar Springs boat launch, and uh, we're going to welcome James home. He's uh, He's been out on the road for about three weeks, uh, maybe a month, and uh, obviously he's worn out and tired. And probably if any of you in the listening area uh, are available to meet with us, wave some flags, and welcome James Dillon home. And we had James on the radio every week. He's here as right. much as you
0: are. I think he is, yeah. He's become a radio star as well. Huh? But uh, I think he can... Uh, do a few things that you can't do. He's got some talents I know that he's going to show once again when he comes wow. to your club. Wow,
1: yeah, he's a fantastic Christian rapper. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't compete with James at all in all of that category, that's for sure. And he's going to join you on the radio,
0: I think, tomorrow too, isn't he, we're going, to, we're going to try to catch up with him. Right, we have we enjoy gonna... talking to him. We've learned a lot about his travels, and it's he's a, just a really good person to talk to. And we do remind everybody this program on the air every Thursday morning at 11 with Rick Dram. And you've got another special guest with us in studio. I'm honored to have uh, United States
1: Army veteran Mike Thornton, who's a wonderful uh, historian, uh, particularly researching uh, our area and many of the patriots that fought in World War II. And uh, he tells us frequently about the many happenings uh, with the greatest generation. So good morning, Mike. Glad to have you here.
3: Uh, good morning, Rick. Great to be here with you well, on, on Rick Radio,
1: WLIO. <laughs> well, good. Rick,
3: could
0: I have a raise? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think Daryl's going to throw me out of the studio here pretty soon. So, let's, uh... Anyway, uh, Mike, uh, you have some uh, really interesting story to tell us today about uh, Jimmy Doolittle, who fought in World War II. Tell us a little bit about Jimmy.
3: Well, Rick, um, you're exactly right. 18 April is coming up, and it's the 80th anniversary of the Jimmy Doolittle Raid. So Jimmy Doolittle is a giant in American history, although he was only a very small man, five foot, six inches tall. He, he became a pilot in World War I and was really disappointed when he didn't get a chance to fly. They kept him there as an instructor because he was such a good pilot. So for the next 18 years, he's in the Army, and he does things like uh, he's trying to further aviation in America. So he goes to air races and he wins. He sets a a record for flying across America, 24 hours. It's a world record. And then a little while later, he sets another record less than 12 hours. So he's a proponent for aviation. He's a great proponent for American business. And um, it was just, he was really active in the war. You know, uh, you might recall that Billy Mitchell was trying to prove that air power could be used against Navy targets. So there were some captured German uh, battleships that Jimmy Doolittle was a part of sinking. Uh, but anyway, in 1930, rolls around. He's supporting his wife, Joe, his mom, Joe's mother, and two children, and he's still a lieutenant. <laughs> the yeah. interwar years was really slow on promotion, so he's still a lieutenant, so he's not making any money. Right. So he leaves the Army Air, uh, Air Force, and uh, he goes to work for Shell Oil Company, and they send him all over the world. He, what he does, he develops his high-octane uh, gasoline. Oh, let me back up and mention that the Army sent him to MIT to get a master's degree. And while he's there... He not only gets a master's degree, he gets the first doctorate in, uh, in aviation uh, uh,
1: science, in aeronautical science. He gets the first doctorate. So he was a very brilliant man as well. He was really smart.
3: And his notes in class were typed up, and Joe, they ended up using that as a doctorate text. But anyway, so he, he for Shell Oil, he goes to Europe in 1939, and he realizes, hey, the Germans are really preparing for war. And he goes back, and he knows Hap Arnold, and he says, Hap. We need to do something. The Germans are preparing for war. I'm really worried that America is not ready. So Hap Arnold puts him on active duty now as a lieutenant colonel, brings him back, and just makes him a staff officer. So, um, so there he sets, and then, and then, you know,
1: if so, now to remind the audience, this is 1939. This is yes. three years before the start of World War II. Yes, right?
3: good point. But but there's a lot of smart people. Uh, Chief of Staff of the Army, George C. Marshall, and some other people are trying to get ready. They're trying to build airplanes. They're trying to get the army built up because we're in such miserable shape in America. We're such a small army. So these professionals that stayed in since World War One are really trying to get get things moving. So um, so but if you're an American in that time, you'll you'll note that you hear in the news all the time. Japan's uh, invaded uh, a lot of China. They've taken over Korea. There's a lot going on. One September 39. Uh, the Nazis invade Poland and now all of a sudden Europe's inflamed in war and the Germans run roughshod. They take Poland. They take Denmark. They take uh, the Benelux countries. They overrun France, Norway. So America's sitting here and listening to this. And uh, uh, the world is, is pretty much in bad shape. Now, 7 December 1941 rolls around and we all know that day. Pearl Harbor gets bombed. And, and now America is really in it. We've been attacked at our Navy base in Pearl Harbor lots of ships sunk, sunk. now we know we're in the war. Roosevelt is just beside himself because he realizes that he really worries about Great Britain is standing alone in Europe, and he really wants to be able to do more than just send them equipment. He wants to be able to help Great Britain. So four days later, Hitler helps Roosevelt out. He declares war on America. But now on the east coast of America, we've got German submarines and they're sinking American ships. We've got Japan Uh, sending a few ships to our western shores and we're really worried about our our fleet in Hawaii. So America is really just terrified uh, about, we we just feel insecure. Now we know, know, Rick, we know we won World War II now, but those people didn't know it in 1941.
1: Absolutely, and it was a very precarious situation uh, that was taking place uh, back in 1941, 1942. So, uh, April 18th, uh, we're celebrating Jimmy Doolittle Day. Uh, tell us, are, the, are, the, are you aware of any celebrations uh, around the United States that uh, actually commemorate uh, his great service to our nation?
3: You know, Rick, I wish I did. I mean, the, the Air Force Museum has a big thing about it. Nowadays, of course, a lot of times on the, like YouTube. And, but I think it's our duty, you know, as do, our duty as Americans, and particularly our duty as conservatives, to remember those great moments in American history. And certainly the Doolittle Raid is, is one of them. So to kind of, to kind of bring us up to speed, so Roosevelt brings in everyone and he says, I want to strike back at Japan and I want to do it now. And he's telling the chief of the army, the chief of Naval operations and Hap Arnold, chief of the Air Force, I want to strike back. I want to hurt Japan the way they've hurt America. Right. I want to hit back. So they sit down and they, they develop a plan Uh, The Navy actually steps up first and says, you know, we could put Army bombers on the carrier. We could get close to Japan. They bring Jimmy Doolittle in. Now, he's only supposed to train these guys and get them ready. And he knows everybody. He knows the carburetor guy that can fix the bomber engines. He knows which bombers are best. By the way, it was the B-25B, which we already had had several. He takes about 20 airplanes down to Florida. They train. And then he goes and meets the Navy in California. They load 16 bombers up on a Navy aircraft carrier, the USS Hornet. And they depart and they go meet USS Enterprise and Bull Hosey at sea. So now they're really worried because they're moving to Japan. Their plan is everyone knows that a carrier can only go, a carrier aircraft can only go 300 miles. Sure. So to be safe, they say, we're going to go within 400 miles of Japan and then we're going to launch these bombers. And they're, the plan is they're going to fly to China and turn the bombers over to Claire Chenault and the, the Flying Tigers, you may recall, were, were in uh, China helping the national Chinese against the Japanese. Right. That's the plan. Well, it's 650 miles from Japan. Unbelievably, one morning, Japan has some uh, picket ships, and they see these two carriers. They see the American task force. So, oh my gosh, they get on the radio and they call Japan and they go, there's American carriers at this location. Well, immediately, Bull Hawsey orders an attack on these Japanese airplanes, uh, Japanese ships, I'm sorry, picket ships, and they do sink them. But now, Mark Michener, the captain of the Hornet, calls Doolittle up there, and he says, look, you can't make it to Midway Island. If you go to Japan, I don't know that you can get to China. You got to do something. Either I'm going to push the bombers overboard or you got to launch. We got to do something and we got to do it now. So, out hesitating, Doolittle says, We launch. He gets his guys together. They put some extra gas cans on the back. So, this was not supposed to be a suicide mission. The plan was to go to China, turn the airplanes over to the, the Americans, but they got to go. And they've got to, they've got it. So, they launch, they bomb their targets, and they. One aircraft goes to Russia. That's kind of another story. The rest of them get to Japan. Some of them bail out in a thunderstorm at night over mountains. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. It's night, thunderstorm. They're running out of gas. Some of them crash in the ocean. But most all of them get together, and they make their way through China. And, you know, this was a huge victory. Rick, I can't tell you how Americans felt when they said, we reached out at the enemy and we struck them. It was so good for American morale. But one other thing I want to say. What a
1: great story, (laughs)
3: It, it, it just made America, you know, it's on the front page of every paper. Tokyo bombed, and Americans are starting to think, we can do this. Because er, up until now, every place we fought, the Philippines, Pearl Harbor, Wake Island, every place we fought, we've been beat. We've been beat. And America's morale is so low. But now, all of a sudden, here comes this raid, and here comes the leaders of, of our armed forces, and we're saying, you know what? We can win. The doodle guys won. So after the war is over, we find out. That we also got in the Japanese command's head. We know that right after the Doolittle Raid, we got the Battle of Coral Sea, which we fight to a draw. But we stopped Japan from getting to Australia. The next month later, we got the Battle of Midway. And now we know, after World War II, that the reason the Japanese military rushed into the Battle of Midway is because they're terrified of the home islands being bombed. They promised the emperor the home islands would always be safe. They've had to move a lot of aircraft back to protect Japan because of the Doolittle Raiders. It's amazing It's amazing what they did to get inside the the enemy's head. It's amazing what they did for American morale. So 18 April 1942 is a date that we deserve to remember because of the brave men that that served.
1: Well, Mike, that's just an absolute fascinating story, and uh, I appreciate so much uh, you bringing it to us this morning. Hey, Mike, I want to pitch one other thing. You're going to be doing a program uh, very soon. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, Rick, as you know, there's a lot going on in Teleco Village. And one of the things, I'm, I, because of the Greatest Generation series uh, that I've been able to talk to sometimes at the conservative club with guys like you and your, and your radio station, uh, they've invited me to do a thing, and it's on TelecoVillageLearn.org, TelecoVillageLearn.org. And it's a series of four classes on the greatest generation or discussions. It starts uh, the day after the anniversary of the Doolittle Raid. On the 19th of April is one. Okay, so that's a Tuesday, the, April. And, and the next three Tuesdays, uh, it's at the library. And for the next three Tuesdays, it's 10 o'clock till noon. Now, the fourth class is on a Monday because, Rick, I wanted you to come and you said you played golf hey, on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, well,
1: absolutely. So
3: because of that, we moved one <laughs> to Monday. And, and the last one oh, is Monday, great. May 2nd, and it's 10 till noon. So So now if you're not in the village, can you still attend? Absolutely. Okay. There is a limit to 35 people, so you want to go on our website and sign up. There's a very small fee, but you do want to sign up on the website to reserve you a seat. But each class is different, but it's all about the greatest generation of World War II. It's about the amazing men and women who fought World War II or stayed at home and helped us for America to become a great nation.
1: Well, obviously, you're a wealth of information, and... uh, This is gonna be a tremendous series, so I encourage all of you to attend. It is at the Teleco Village Library, and it will begin on Tuesday, April 19th. And uh, uh, go to telecovillagelearn.org and sign up. And uh, as I say, attendance is limited to 35 people, but I'm sure you'll enjoy every single session. And as you can tell, Mike is so passionate about uh, the greatest generation, as we all should be, because of the tremendous sacrifice that they made uh, in our nation's history.
0: Darryl? Well, Mike, not only do I want uh, a raise from Rick Radio, I want his schedule. <laughs> you know? what, do you, what do you think?
1: <laughs> well, let me tell you, my golf game is as bad as my radio voice.
0: <laughs> I won't even comment. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but we do I appreciate you, that. We invite you to come back. Do you know about next week's schedule yet? Who's yes, program? yes Yes,
1: our guest is going to be Dr. Harold Black, who's uh, Professor Emeritus at uh, the University of Tennessee. He's, he's retired, uh, but he is a tremendous inspiration uh, to all of us. He uh, is going to have some great information about the economy, about the current state of affairs regarding inflation, and maybe we're going to even learn about uh, some other issues that he's going to discuss and that are other things that are
0: happening around the nation. And we invite you to join us every Thursday morning at eleven for the Teleco Conservative Club presents with Rick Graham and a whole host of guests. Always informative and uh, we get a lot of really outstanding comments about the program. But Rick comes back anyway.
1: Make sure that you uh Yeah, <laughs> right. I uh, I I keep bouncing back yeah. just uh yeah, like an old habit, uh every week at Thursday, eleven AM but uh Daryl, I just again want to thank WLIL Radio uh, for sponsoring this program and for providing us this opportunity to bring great patriots uh, uh, like Mike Thornton here with us today, and of course, Brandon Lewis. And we
0: remind you once again that uh, early voting in the election begins April 13th. We'll have information about that weekly coming up, and next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, You'll have one more chance to hear the sheriff's candidates before the early voting starts on Monday morning at 830. We'll have Paul Curtis Tuesday morning at 830, Marty Ward Wednesday morning at 830, Jimmy Davis. Rick, see you again next week.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Darrell, and get out there and vote and learn about the candidates.
0: And our program today presented by Little Italy by premier consignment by jim davis remax excels and by vjh concierge financial planning join us next week at eleven for our program there's a great way to buy quality furniture and accessories at much lower prices in london county premier consignment located three twenty lakeside plaza in Loudoun, just off the teleco parkway family-owned and operated for ten years stop in monday through saturday ten a.m. until three p.m. or visit www.premierconsignment.com for current inventory and ability to purchase online and pick up in the store also items are sold on ebay they conduct estate or moving sales at the residence they can sell everything in the house pick up and delivery services available for most items stop by or view online Premier consignment, 320 Lakeside Plaza in Loudoun, just off the Telico Parkway. Phone 865-458-9721. 458-9721. It's Little Italy for breakfast or dinner. Little Italy Restaurant located at 316 Lakeside Plaza, just off the Teleco Parkway in Loudoun. Open Tuesday through Sunday for breakfast at 8, and for dinner Tuesday through Saturday at 4. Order and pay online or call 865-657-6224. That's 657-6224. For breakfast, how about an egg platter or a sausage gravy biscuit platter or even breakfast tacos? And for dinner, pasta specialties, hot and cold subs, a large selection of entrees, salads, pizza, gourmet or New York style, calzone and Stromboli's. Add your favorite desserts for breakfast or dinner, Little Italy, Lakeside Parkway in Loudoun. Freedom is not free. Ask a member of our armed forces. Neither are the free lunches or dinners that you constantly are being invited to, if, of course, you have over $250,000 to invest. Stop in for a chat. If you want to find out what they are attempting to do to you, not for you, then you contact the folks at VJH Concierge Financial Planning. Knowledge is power. Phone number 865 940 0278. 940 0278. Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and an investment advisor. V-J-H Concierge Financial Planning and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Jim Davis, a full-time professional real estate broker, is pleased to provide buyers and sellers with a tremendous knowledge of Teleco Village and the surrounding Teleco Lake communities. He believes the most important attribute of a professional realtor is listening. He listens to his clients well. He says whether you are selling or buying a home, you deserve the best service, the most consistent follow-up communication, and a professional real estate broker to represent you. That is what you receive when you select Jim Davis in Teleco Village to represent you in your real estate purchase or sale. It doesn't cost any more to hire the best. Maintain an attitude of gratitude. Jim Davis, real estate broker, Remax Excels, phone 865-414-3601.
2: 414-3601.